Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. For this precious family that have given themselves, amen, to the work of the Lord. They were working for the Lord before they ever went to Papua New Guinea. This family is a family of workers, and I, I know that from uh, Pastor Matt Perdue. Bend your ear at any time concerning the Marshall family and their dedication with home Bible studies, driving a bus, van, whatever whatever they were needed for. They were always there to uh, give themselves to the purpose and the work of the Lord. And I know he's happy that they're serving in the mission field, but probably a bittersweet moment, too, to, to miss their, their vitality in the home church. Uh, but that's what it's all about. Amen. Having people uh, born again and, and get in a place where they go out and plant and sow and so on and so forth. And that's what they're doing in their respective uh, country. So can we make them welcome here tonight at the First Apostolic Church, Brother Ryan Marshall and the family from Papua New Guinea. Amen. God bless him today. Let's give that to the Lord tonight. Let's give Jesus some praise tonight. He's the only one that deserves anything we could ever offer. Just like we were singing earlier, we, he doesn't owe us anything because he already gave it all. He gave everything he had. He gave his life so that we could be in this place tonight. So let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated for just a couple of minutes. I won't let you get too comfortable because I don't want to put anybody to sleep. But how about that singing? Man, I tell you what, we, we, we always love to hear the Mason family sing. Because good singing is good, right? But anointed singing is ten times better. Anointed singing is where they can sing heaven down. And I couldn't help, I, I thought of a song we all were singing, and I'm not going to sing it because we want to keep everybody in the house. But, but whenever that, that song we were singing, it said, I, I don't ha I'm sorry for my agenda. There's a song and it says, when the music fades and all else is stripped away, God, I simply come, longing just to be. Something that's of worth. That will bless your heart. It's, it's not here so that I, I can tickle a man's ears. I want to bless the heart of God tonight. Because if I'm not pleasing God, I'm not doing my job. And if I'm not doing my job, then there's souls in Papua New Guinea that's not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they're not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not hearing, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They're not hearing, There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. They're not here and they need to be baptized in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. I'm a little excited tonight. I, I love what I feel in this house. I love it. But because there's something about when you go to a church. And, and there's a term that I use, and, and it's absolutely apostolic. You, you, you can feel the presence of God as soon as you walk in the door. And then the singing starts, and the worship starts, and the Holy Ghost falls. And we, we can touch the one that robed himself in flesh and walked this earth for 33 and a half years so he could be beaten and bruised for my sins, so that we could be baptized in the name that was unknown in the Old Testament. Amen? If we could stand for the reading of the word, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too excited before I get started. But when, when, when I think of a missionary, there's a certain passage that comes to mind. And, and I'm going to share some things that's happened in Papua New Guinea that go right along with the passage that I'm going to share. And that passage is found in Mark, chapter 16. You guys already know where we're going. <laughs> Starting in verse number 15 and going through verse 20. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't say, 
just preach to the ones that believe the same as you. It doesn't just say preach to the ones that, that may have the same political stance as you. But it says every creature. He that believeth and is baptized. I'm so excited we're baptizing one tonight. Even if we have to put them in a, like a little floaty so that they don't go under, they're still getting baptized in Jesus' name. That's exciting stuff. He shall be saved, and he, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And this is where it gets real right here. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, and that's in red. In Jesus' name, we're going to cast out devils. In Jesus' name... They're going to speak in new tongues. In Jesus' name, they're going to take up serpents. And if they drink of any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They're going to lay hands on the sick. And you know what the sick's going to do? They're going to recover. They shall. They shall. Say shall. They shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached just right here in Mount Carmel, just in Bloomington, Indiana. They preached everywhere. They preached on the street. They didn't, have, they didn't wait on the church doors to open. They, they, they preached with their accountants whenever they went to the grocery store. They, they, they preached whenever they was buying a bottle of water at the gas station. They, they was preaching with every action and every step that they took. Everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs. And we're going to talk about those signs tonight. Following them, amen. Pastor, could you pray? You may be seated, except for my wife that already sat down. But I would like my wife to come. I just feel like God's going to move, and I don't want to take off and leave them sitting over here. So, so I want her to come and share a little bit of her experience in Papua New Guinea, and then we're going to hear from one of the kids. Praise the Lord, church. It's good to be here tonight. Well, um, I'm just going to give you a background. I have, we have four children. Two that are married and two that are in the field with us. And our oldest and his wife are having our first grandchild, August 7th. So we're happy to be here for that. But our heart is in Papua New Guinea. And it, I told him the other day, I said, I'm so happy to be able to be here and be a part of having the baby and being with the baby. I said, but my heart is not here. I said, because our burden is over there. And... Uh, I don't know if you know his story or our story, but he was 16 when he got his calling. I was not. <laughs> I wanted to just stay home with our four kids. I homeschooled, so I just I just wanted to be at home. I stayed in Indiana. <laughs> Farthest I went was Ohio. I'd never been on a plane. <laughs> so um, I did not want to get on a plane. <laughs> so when he came back from the Philippines, um, he said, we need to go to Papua New Guinea. I was like, where is that at? I don't want to go to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> I was like, I'm happy just being home in my safe little spot, my safe little area. <laughs> He's like, no, we need to pray about it. We need to go to Papua New Guinea. So we started praying. Our prayers started changing. We started praying, here am I. Use me, Jesus. Use me. Thy will be done. So we got on a plane. <laughs> And we went to Papua New Guinea, and we get there, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> I just wanted to go back home the whole time. I'm like, this is not a place for me. I was like, Jesus, there's no way. I'm not bringing my kids here. It's a third world country. I mean, there's people hungry. There's people standing on the side of the road with bush knives. There's tribal wars. There's lots of things going on, churches that are way out in the bush and you have to walk up mountains and stuff. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to bring my children here. So I was praying and I was fasting. And I said, God, if it's your will, then show me a sign. 
I said, if this is really you and you want us to be here, show me a sign. So we go to the first church service, and, I mean, we had a great service. It was wonderful. People were praying. Souls were getting saved, and it was great. I still didn't want to be there. I wanted to go home with my children. I missed my kids and my dog. (laughs) And um, so I'm still prayerful, and I I was fasting the whole time we were there, and I was like, God, I said, if this is you and you want us here, then show me a sign. So we went to the next service, and we were up on the platform, and I'm praying, and I'm looking out at everybody, and I'm, I'm really nervous about coming to a place that's so different, you know, so different. You look out, and, I mean, you don't see a white person in the crowd. There's tribal people. There's people with head dressings on, and, I mean, it's different. And I'm like, God, I can't come here. <laughs> I just want to go home. I want to go home. But God, if it is you and you want us here, then show me a sign. So I was praying and I was worshiping and had my eyes closed. And I was like, God, this is really you. So when I open my eyes, show me a sign. When I opened my eyes, I didn't see color. I didn't see people. All I seen was souls. And I seen tears all over the floor. And I was like, okay, God. Okay, I know you want us here. So we went back to the Barnett's house. And I brought a sign with us. It was from one of our um, Bible studies, our first Bible study together. And um, she gave me, the lady gave me a sign saying, walk by faith. And God impressed it upon my heart to bring it. And I was to hang it. If we were gonna, if we were meant to be there, we were equally yoked, and we were meant to be there. Well, I waited to the, the day that we left to hang it. He knew he was waiting for that sign to be hung because he already knew we were called there. So, but you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, "Is it a sacrifice?" Because we had to sell our home. I mean, we're leaving our two children behind. My grandmother, who's 91 years old, which I love dearly. And my dog, (laughs) I had to leave my dog behind because we can't take her. And I'm like, at first, I told everybody, yes, it is a huge sacrifice. I'm getting rid of everything. I mean, everything we worked so hard to get. And I'm like, it was huge. But when we got there and we came back and people ask me that now, it's not a sacrifice. Because he gave the ultimate sacrifice. And what I'm doing is just a little bit of what he did for me. So, no, it's not a sacrifice to live for God and see souls saved. It's not a sacrifice. So I'm going to let Adriana come up and tell a little bit of how it is for a teenager to have to leave America to go to a third world country. Hello, my name is Adriana, and I've lived in Papua New Guinea for seven months, and it's hard to leave your friends and your family and Taco Bell, Um, (laughs) but after, whenever we first got there, I was probably really rude to the people because I was tired. It's 15-hour time difference, so I was probably really rude, but um, after a while, I, at first, I really didn't want to be there. Like, I hated it there. And I just laid on my bed, watched YouTube, and um, I never went outside and talked to anyone. So one day, my parents asked me if I wanted to go outside, and I was like, sure, I'll try. So I go outside, and after that, I played outside a lot. We played volleyball, so. um, And after we've been to a lot of the churches, a lot of the girls have asked me if I wanted to, like, hang out with them or be their friends. So... I know that I'm meant to be there after I've been there for a while, so, yeah. Good job. It's amazing when God confirms things, when your, your wife and your children feel the call, the same call that you do. And like my wife said, I felt a call to missions when I was 16 years old, and I knew where I was called to be. I knew the the country I was going to. 
I knew the, the city I was going to. I knew, I knew, me, this guy. It had nothing to do with God, but I knew. And I felt a call from the age of 16. And I never even stepped foot in the country that I thought I was called to until I was going to Papua New Guinea. What happened is, whenever I had my hands all over it and I knew what I wanted, nothing ever worked out. I, w I would try to save up for a ticket and something would happen. Everything would fall apart. Couldn't go. I, I would try to do all of these things to make it happen and nothing ever worked. From the time I was 16 to 38, I knew. But whenever... I was 38. I got a call from our world missions director, Pastor Ball. We love, we love Brother Ball. And he said, Brother Marshall, I know you feel a call to Australia. And we're having our Asia-Pacific conference in the Philippines from October 30th to November the 5th, 2018. And we would like for you to come. My wife was in the car, and I hesitated because Brother Ball didn't know that our 20th wedding anniversary was November 2nd, 2018. And I knew for a fact if I said yes, that I was going to die in this car. <laughs> so I looked at her and I kind of gave her, you know, that I really want to do this, you know. And she's, without hesitation, she said, you need to go. So I go to the Philippines and on our anniversary, Bishop Walls, I love Bishop Walls. I could go on with these loves forever. And, and Bishop Walls, he, he preached a message, and it was called the need for a missionary. And after the message, he said, anybody that feels a call to missions, you come up and, and you get prayed for. You get anointed and you get prayed for. Well, I, I'm not one to get prayed for. I'm a worker. I'm on a mission trip to work. I, I'm not there to receive. I'm there to give. So as these people are coming, I began to pray with them. And then I look over and Brother Namie and Brother Ball said, hey, you, get over here now. And this is no joke. I was from here to this plant. And Brother Ball reached out to lay hands on me and I hit the ground. And the Holy Ghost just fell in such a way. And I, I rolled on the ground for a half an hour. And there's pictures on Facebook that I didn't even know all this was going on. Like, I was done, you know. It's, it's like when you, when you see the guys, like, in the MMA fights, and they're, like, passing out. Like, I didn't even know where I was at this moment. And Brother Namie has his hands on my back, and he's, he's just praying impartation down. He, he's, he's praying the mantle down. And, and, and I call my wife, and I say, we got to go to Papua New Guinea. And she said, I knew you was going to be calling. She little did I know the pastor's wife at our church, Sister Marin. We love Sister Marin. See, there I go again. S Sister Marin called my wife, and her and Sister Emily and my wife, they was at the church and they was having a prayer meeting. And my wife said she felt something. And when it, when she said that, we, we both began to cry. And then we end up in Papua New Guinea. I said all that to say this. I had my hands all over it. From the time I was 16 to 38, I had my hands all over it. All those years, I knew what I wanted, and nothing ever happened. And then we said, God, here am I. You do your thing. I'm stepping aside. Be because no matter how much I'd done, I felt incomplete. I, I, I could give 100 Bible studies and still feel like I needed to do something for God. I could drive 50 kids to church on a bus and still feel empty. And I said, God, whatever it is, I, I need you to do something. And I took my hands off. And in November of 2018, when I took my hands off, by January of 2019, we was on our first exploratory trip to Papua New Guinea. By March of 2019, we was appointed as the new resident missionaries of Papua New Guinea. And then by June of 2019, we was ratified. By August of 2019, boots on the ground, we're living in Papua New Guinea. We took our hands off of it and just sat back and watched God do his thing. And when God started to move, doors started to open. 
And when doors started to open, we got some stories to tell you. We also love the McGee's. You guys are awesome. So if you're, if you're a guest here, I promise you, he preaches a lot better than me. Come back. Because he, he's one of my favorites, honestly. He, he, he's one of the best preachers that I've heard, that I know, and I, we're blessed and honored to know you guys. Th- thank you for the room and the basket. The kids have already ate everything. I'm surprised they're not running the aisles, you know, getting something going in here, but. But since we've been in Papua New Guinea in August of 2019, some awesome stuff has happened. In in, in a land where you think that a poverty-stricken country, you you can't get to those people. They're they're hard. They have nothing, so they expect nothing. Since we've been there, we've seen over 100 souls baptized in Jesus' name. We've seen over 80 people filled with the Holy Ghost, and we planted three brand new churches. That's all happened in seven months' time. A lot of people say, Brother Marshall, we, we, we know you need financial support. We do. We, we do. But the number one thing we need in Papua New Guinea is prayer. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, we're in a different time zone now, so I can't say what I usually say, but if it's 4 o'clock in the morning here, It's like 5 in the afternoon today over there. And if God wakes you up with us on your mind, we're going through some stuff. We're not in the safest place in the world. So if God wakes you up, please remember us in prayer. If you, I know some people write their prayer lists down. If you write them down, my name's Ryan. This is Kim, Adriana, and Ezekiel. Write down Ryan, Kim, Adrian, and Ezekiel in your prayer book. But I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about some awesome stuff. Some awesome stuff that we've seen happen. Do you remember those miracles, those signs, and those wonders we was talking about a minute ago? We've seen God do some crazy stuff. And I'm going to start with the last service that we had in Papua New Guinea. It was at Pastor Uwa's church, which is our, which it, I get tongue-tied so bad. Which is our Western Highlands presbyter. And he is one of the oldest members we have in the ALJC of PNG. And when I say they have a program, I mean they have a program. Like it is, right now it is 652. So if Brother McGee was supposed to come up here at 6.53, it doesn't matter if I'm right here in the message or if I'm at the end or wherever I'm at. You're going to take the mic and do your thing. So God had already given me the message for this church. And he already told me how it was going to be received. He just didn't tell me how this service was going to go. So at the beginning of this service, me and my wife, I know you don't believe that we would ever have any problems or we'd ever be at odds with each other, but we were this day. And you know those, those car rides that are like 45 minutes long and they feel like they're three days? We had one of those. And we got to the church, and I slam the door and walk inside. I'm there to preach. I'm, I'm holy now. But I'm there to preach. I'm focused. And I'm like, man. Why in the world is she acting this way? Well, little, it was probably me, and I, I'm just stubborn. But we go inside, and, and this service, it, it starts out, it's so dead. And my wife, she comes up with tears rolling down her face. She apologized, and she gave me a hug, and we began to weep together. And by the time we was done, I look around, and everybody in the place is just having a hallelujah good time. I mean, there's people up here dancing in the front. Like, this stuff doesn't happen every service. And it's like, my, my. Maybe we should, no, we shouldn't fight more. And, and, and I'm like, I'm like, this is amazing. And the Lord spoke, and he said, if we bring the word right now, I'm going to pour it out in this church like never before. So I went to the pastor, and I told him exactly what the Lord said. He said, Hang on. 
he goes over and he talks to his assistant. Mind you, we, we have a program. Talks to the assistant, he comes back, and he just looks defeated, man. You know, that, that look, and it's like, well, I tried. And he stands up bold. You got to know Brother Ua. He said, the missionary said, we need to hear from the Lord right now. And he said, we're going to rouse him this program, which means I'm going to crumble it up and throw it in the trash. He said, and we're going to hear from God right now. And I got up and I told him about a few things that I had seen in my life. About how my little girl Harley, she was sitting over in this area at our home church back in Newcastle. And we had a prophet come through. And the prophet said, if there's anything you need from God, it's here tonight. He said, if you need anything, you come and God's going to do it. And she sat over here and she said, Daddy, this atmosphere is just right. And she sat down and she began to pray. And like 45 minutes go by. And she's like 17. 17 year olds don't pray like this. So I'm like, you go girl. And then three of her friends go over and they begin to pray with her. And like an hour goes by. I'm like, man, she's making me look bad now. And then I hear, Daddy, I can see. And she began to read things around the, the building. What I didn't tell you is, my daughter was born blind in her right eye. And when she began to read things, she was reading them with her right eye. And it's really good to get stuff confirmed. So we took her to the eye doctor. And our eye doctor is amazing. Our, our eye doctor's name is Dr. Beatty, and he's a believer. He's in Connorsville, Indiana. And we took her in, and he said, man, I don't know what happened. And my wife, she's a firecracker sometimes. She said, I do. She said, God healed her. He said, this is a miracle because this is the first time in 17 years that Harleys came to my office and left without a prescription. We have a joke around the house and like, Harley can read a sign before we know there's a sign there. It's awesome stuff. When God does something, he does it big. And then I began to tell him about this time I was over in Beirut, Lebanon with Brother Azar. And there was this woman, I was there with my pastor, and this woman, she came for prayer. And she kept saying, blue water, blue water. Well, we're in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. The water's beautiful. It's the most beautiful blue you've ever seen in your life. And then she tells us what time it is. And by this time, we're like, okay, we're, we're, the service is just going too long. What, we had no idea what this woman was talking about. Go to my YouTube channel and check this out. Her testimony from her mouth is on there. She brought in medical documentation the next day. The reason she was saying blue water is because she had cataracts. And everything she saw was like looking through a solid blue glass of water. She couldn't see past, like right here. And then she began to read the banners over at Brother Azar's church. And then she began to shout. You know what's amazing, church? She was a Muslim woman in an apostolic church service. And she's seen that God that we serve is bigger than Muhammad. And she saw that the Creator was able to fix what she had going on. And she converted and she gave God all the praise for it. And then I began to tell him about a time that I was over in Augsburg, Germany with Brother Krauss. And the spirit of giving just hit. I didn't even tell my pastor until we was on our way back. Ten days before we went over there, I lost my job. So... I'm in another country on a mission trip with no job to come home to. That's reassuring stuff right there. So the spirit of giving hits, and I'm like, man, I just got a few bucks. I'm giving it. Threw it down. And then I began to tell them how strongholds in that country were broken because of this. Everybody in the church, they gave like almost 5,000 euro at this one service. It was amazing. And, and the way that they're taxed, it's almost impossible it was at this point for them to get money out of these guys. And they just all started to give. 
And, the, and then things began to break, and they began to dance, and they began to shout. And then after the service, this, this man walks up, and he said, Brother Marshall, you don't know me. I don't know you. But you came to me in a dream. He said, a couple of weeks ago, and, and God told me to put this aside for you. He handed me an envelope, and I put it in my pocket. And I, I was putting everything away, and I told Brother Krause about it. And I said, I, I explained who the man was. Little did I know this man was from Kenya. And he was the poorest man attending the church at that time. And after I told Brother Krause about it, I opened the envelope. And he had blessed me with 200 euro. And at the time, euro was almost two to one. So when I came back to America without a job, I came back with 400 bucks. God blessed me for that faithfulness. And then I began to tell him about stories in the Bible about the woman with the issue of blood and about blind Barnabas and about all of these miracles that had happened. And then I gave him a test. I took a chair and I put it right here in the church. And it's, it's just a, a dirt floor. No brother who has concrete floors. It, it's just a concrete floor hut, basically. And I took an offering plate and I set it in that chair. And I said, if you need anything in this house tonight, you can never outgive God. I said, I don't care what it is that you need. I don't care what it is that you have a need for. You give. And you watch God work. And as they began to give, I, I, I put a little bit in just to show them, hey, I believe in this. And I, I put a few keen in there. And then everybody began to march. And then the atmosphere got just, just right. And I said, I don't care what it is. You come if you need prayer right now. And we had four confirmed miracles that day. We had a man come up. And he was blind in his left eye. Have you ever seen somebody so blind you can see it? He had a growth over his eye. And his eye was gray. And this eye was brown. And I had my rollerball and he was the first one to come. And you're saying, you, I, I, this was a service I had interpreted into pigeon. And in the talk place. So like an hour and a half has gone by. And the first one to come is a blind man. And I've been preaching faith for an hour and a half. So I'm like, do you believe God can heal you? Yes, missionary. Lord, why'd you send him first? I'm rolling my rollerball. Before you know, there's like oil running down my hand. Do you believe God can heal you? And the reason I asked him more than once, not only for my faith, because a little bit of it was. But you have, to, if you come for prayer, you have to know. You have to know that you know that you know that God can heal you of anything. Because once you know, you're unstoppable. Because your faith is what's going to do it. So I began to, to roll that ball and I laid my right hand on his left eye. And this is the most memorable thing that's ever happened in my entire ministry. My right hand's on his left eye, and we begin to pray. And I begin to tell him about old blind Barnabas in a way he can understand it a little bit better. And I said, Barnabas didn't have to beg. He didn't say, Jesus, if you do this, I'll serve you the rest of my life. He didn't say, Jesus, if you do this, I'll give you my firstborn. He didn't say, Jesus, if you do this, I'll empty my bank account and give it to you. He just said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I didn't have to tell this man that Barnabas just kept getting louder and louder. Because as he was praying, boy, he was praying. And before you know it, he says, Jesus, thou son of David. And I took my hand away and his eye was brown. And he, took, he looked at my wife and he said, I blow me in fixed now. My eye's fixed. He said, I can see. And he confirmed it in front of the whole church. Oh, my, my. <laughs> We're at 32 minutes. Can I go just a little bit longer? Then this woman comes up and her back's all messed up. She's walking like a question mark. She's walking like Ryan Marshall at 6 o'clock in the morning. And, and she gets up. And I begin to reach out to lay hands on her. And God says, don't touch her. When God says, don't touch, you don't touch. So, all right, Lord. So I back up, and I'm praying from a distance. 
my wife and the ministry gather around and, and they began to pray for her. And we prayed. And we prayed some more. If you're in ministry, you know, then you pray some more. And then you pray until you're like this and you're like, all right. Uh, you, you go on, lady. And she gets over to the edge and she's still the same way she came up. She got over here and she was still limping around. I said, no. And you know that look. All you parents know that look. Huh? You talking to me? You, you know that look. I said, if you begin to dance before the Lord right now, He's going to heal you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And she made this pitiful attempt. And she started to jump a little. And then before you know it, I see my wife grabbing her by the hand and jerking her off the platform. And they're just over here dancing, having a hallelujah, a good time. And before you know, this lady's standing up and she's able to dance on her own. And she walks out the door straight up and down. And she confirmed that God had healed her completely. She had no more pain. We had another man come up, doubled over. And God revealed to him, he, did, he had no idea what was wrong. We're in a third world country. You don't go to the doctor. It, it, it's not like America. Where you're like, oh, if God doesn't heal me, the ER's open. I'll, go, I'll head over there after church. And PNG, baby, if you're sick, you, you don't go to the doctor. You say, God, you got to do something. So he comes up, and, and God revealed to me that his intestines had been twisted. And I told him what was wrong. And I began to pray. And the ministry began to pray. And he began to scream and cry out to God. And he ran out the back door of the church. That's real reassuring. When you just spent the last 10 minutes praying for a guy and he just takes off out the back door. But he came back. And he confirmed in front of the entire church why he ran out the door. And that God had healed him. And that was the first time he'd been able to run out the door in weeks. Because when God does something, he does it. I, I, I like to throw some humor in, but that's a true story. I wish I could make stuff like that up, but that, that's just too good. And another miracle that I had discounted for so long is at the end of the service, after we were done praying, I, I took this bucket back and had my wife count it. And as she was counting it, I began to explain to the church the difference between a miracle and a healing. Because oftentimes we get them confused. We, we think if God's going to heal us and we walk out the same way we came in, that God hasn't done anything. A healing takes a little bit of time. we we, we got to be able to, to tough it out for a little bit longer. But all that testimony we have when it's over, whenever, whenever the doctor says, hey, you may have cancer, and you're like, oh, Jesus, and you got to deal with it for six or eight months, and you got to go to the doctor and get all of these things done. Oh, but to tell them after that six or eight months, Oh, I'm in, I'm in remission. You know, the doctor tried all of these things, but God finally healed me. Then you have a different kind of testimony. And then she comes up and she gives me it. And she says, there's 350 kina here. I was like, wow. One kina is about 33 cents. And whenever she brought it up, this pastor normally makes about 5 to 10 kina a week in the offerings. Most of the other offerings are in like fruits and vegetables and things like that. This man had made almost a year's worth of salary in one church service. You tell me God wasn't moving in a big way. And I told, I said, Pastor, I said, this is for you. I said, you do whatever you feel needs to be done. If you need to work on the church, whatever it is, you do it. And he walked up with tears in his eyes, thanking the church. Something broke that day. And whenever it broke, and whenever they threw that, that uh, I get so mad when I talk about programs. Whenever they crumbled up that program, and they threw it away, and they said, God, we don't need to look at no, no papers. 
We don't need to know what's going to happen next. We just need you to move. We don't need anything but a move of God. We don't need anything but to see and to feel you. Because all of these songs and all of these papers and all of this junk that we're doing, it means nothing if you don't show up. Oh, we need that in America. We need to understand it's not about the lights. It's not about the glam. It's about Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're on live stream. It doesn't matter if the doors are open. God can reach down and touch you in your living room just like he can on the front row. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. My God is right there with you. So let's not get hung up on all this stuff. Let's not get hung up on, oh, well, I'm afraid to go out. You stay home, but you keep coming to church anyway. Because in the book of Acts, <laughs> they went from house to house, breaking bread and fellowshipping. Oh, my God. One more story. Back in November, well, back in August, we had our annual conference. We had this girl named Maggie. And Maggie, we didn't know at the time, was only 17. Hear me, young people. A 17-year-old girl is changing a country. A 17-year-old little girl is changing the world. She came to our conference and we didn't know that she had never been to an apostolic church service. We had no idea. But she caught my wife's eye. She was over in the corner and she was praying. And I mean she was praying. My wife hates when I say ugly praying, but she was ugly praying. <laughs> Every time I say it, I get that. But she was, she was just praying. And my wife said, come help me pray with these people. They're, they're, all of these women are lined up. And me and Sister Barnett's the only ones praying. I need somebody to help. We need somebody to help. And Maggie, sweet Maggie, started laying hands on people and praying with people. She had no idea what Jesus' name baptism was. She had no idea what the Holy Ghost was. But she prayed two people through. Two people got the Holy Ghost while she was praying with them. And she said, Sister Marshall, there has to be more. And my wife looked at her and said, there is. You need to repent of your sins. She said, yes. And they prayed. She said, I want more. I want what you have. And my wife said, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We didn't know Maggie was 17. She looked older at the time. She said, I need to ask my mom. Ask your mom. She said, who's like, okay. So she comes to the next service and she said, they said it was okay. We baptized Maggie in the name of Jesus. And she came up out of that water, not speaking in tongues. <laughs> and she looked at Sister Marshall and said, there's got to be more. She said, there is. You need the Holy Ghost. So they began to pray. Maggie didn't get the Holy Ghost. Then we had a big church opening service, and, they, and she came. They began to pray, and the Holy Ghost fell. And Maggie started speaking in an unknown tongue. And here's where we need to be as a church. She looked at my wife and said, there's got to be more. She's already repented. She's already been baptized in Jesus' name. She's already been filled with the Holy Ghost, but there's got to be more. There is more. There's a kitchen table with your name on it. There's a search for truth flip chart with your name on it. There's a discipleship class that you're needing to teach. A missionary isn't necessarily somebody overseas. A missionary is an apostle. And an apostle duplicates. And an apostle says, hey, this is what you need to do. An apostle's not afraid to tell somebody, hey, there is more. Have you repented of your sins? And then 
After she said, there's got to be more, we said, you need to tell everybody you know about the goodness of Jesus. And she said, my family has to hear this. And I love home Bible studies, if you can't tell. I love home Bible studies. So as soon as she said family, that turned it on. Oh, yeah. Breaking out the flip chart. We got this going. So it took like four weeks for her to call. And then we pull up. Little did we know those four weeks, they had dug steps out of a mountain so that we could get to the base of the mountain to preach a service, which I was thinking was going to be a home Bible study. So I had a home Bible study in mind. And I pull up, and there's like 150 people lying in this alley. And I'm like, oh, God, this isn't really the right setting to break out a home Bible study. you got to do something. So I'm prayerfully, you know, going up to this thing, and they, they've got like 15 guys with 15 guitars and maybe five strings on every single guitar combined. And they're singing and they're playing like keys that don't even exist kind of stuff. And they're, they're singing and, and they're clapping and they're welcoming us to their community. And they have this huge banner, which you're going to see in a video in just a couple of minutes. And, and, and there's a ribbon and they want me to cut this ribbon. And as we're going down... The, this mountain, my wife is a wreck. She's bawling. Did I mention we're walking down a mountain with, with steps cut out in, in a country that's known to be like a tropical area with like a lot of rain and it's slick. And she's crying walking down a mountain. That really doesn't go hand in hand. So I'm like, babe, you have to stop. And so she's got her arm on my shoulder, you know, trying to let me guide her down this thing. And we, we get to the foot of this mountain, and there, there's an arbor. And little do we know, Maggie's sister, Margaret, was knelt down under this arbor with a bowl of water and a towel on her arm. And she wanted to wash our feet before we went on this big blue tarp to preach the gospel. And as she's washing my wife's feet, like I said, my wife is, a, she, at this point, she's just bawling. So she's praying over this woman, and she's speaking into this woman, and, and she's just pouring everything she has into this woman. And we get down, and I'm still praying that God gives me something, because search for truth. Man, that, that, there's like five people in the entire crowd that might be able to see this flip chart. And God said, you just preach. I'll give it to you. you, you just give it to them. So I, they have music, they have a PA system, they had it going on. They really thought this thing out. And we get there, and I start to preach on Christ and Him crucified. And that gory cross. And then I began to tell them how much God loved them. That He was willing to robe Himself in flesh. Knowing what was going to happen when He got here. Knowing that they was going to mock him. Knowing that they was going to beat him and crucify him. And beat him with a whip that was so gory. That the book of Isaiah says when they looked upon him, he wasn't visible as a man. That's what kind of love our God has for us. He loved us so much he was willing to die. And then I began to tell him that there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And that God's name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves you so much that he's standing here with his arms wide open, waiting on you to come. And the most beautiful thing happened. They, they just began to come, and they began to pray and, and seek after God. And then this man, we didn't know it was, it was Maggie's brother-in-law at the time. But this man named Rex comes up and he wraps his arms around me and he's weeping, shaking me. I'm, I'm not talking like, like, oh, I mean, he is bawling. He said, Brother Marshall, thank you. We have begged for somebody to bring the gospel to this village. He said, I've talked to my mother-in-law, which is Maggie's mama. 
And Maggie said, there's got to be more. My family has to hear this gospel. He said, I've already talked to my mother-in-law. In this land that you preached on today, we're going to donate this land to the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to build a church right here where you preach the gospel today. Tell me something's too big for my God. So the next day, my, our, our, our whole family's visa was expired. We had to fly out. If you have prayed about our visa situation, thank you. We now have a three-year visa. So when we get back to Papua New Guinea, we're there for three years. We don't have to worry about flying to Australia and spending all kinds of money every 60 days. We're there. And my phone, it begins to ring while we're at the Port Moresby Airport. And I answer, it's Pastor Charlie. Pastor Charlie says, Brother Marshall. He said, you remember that Newtown thing we had yesterday? I was like, of course I do. He said, 16 got baptized in Jesus' name today. Six of them got the Holy Ghost today. And one of them was Maggie's mom. The other was Maggie's sister. One of them was Maggie's brother-in-law. <laughs> and you know what Maggie done? Sometimes you got to invest a little. So what Maggie done the day before is after the church service, she sat down next to my wife. You guys probably wonder why I get down like this. You come over to Papua New Guinea, you see how we sit. This is about it. It beats carrying a chair. Sometimes. Depends on how long you're down like this. <laughs> but she laid her head on Sister Marshall's shoulder, and they began to bring all of this food. And then Maggie told us her story. See, it's been too long already. Maggie told us her story. Maggie's 17, but she knew from the time she was 7 she wanted something more. So she began to save cans and fill up bottles of water and sell them on the side of the road to make extra money so she could have a better life than what she had growing up. She said, this is my gift to you. And we look around and they begin to bring out this huge pig and all of these vegetables and, and cases of Coca-Cola and all of this stuff. She said, in 10 years, I've saved 8,000 kina. And when I found your family was coming, I wanted to be a blessing. I bought all of this stuff for 8,000 kina. Because I wanted to bless you guys. Let's not forget those 16 souls that was baptized in Jesus' name. Some think, why in the world would she give everything she had? On May the 5th, 2020, 29 more souls were baptized in Jesus' name at that same church. Why in the world would she give everything she had? I don't know. Why would Jesus Christ give everything he had? She wanted her family to hear the gospel. He wanted the world to hear the gospel. Some give everything they have in order for just a handful just a few, just one to be saved. Because if we can find one more soul that hasn't heard about Jesus Christ, if we can find one more soul that doesn't believe that Jesus is God, if we can find one more soul that's never heard themselves speak in tongues, then we're willing to give everything we have. I said it once and I'll say it again. Papua New Guinea needs to hear the gospel. So if I fly over there in a seat and I fly back in the cargo area, it was worth it. Because we got one more soul into heaven and I'll give everything I've got down to my last breath to make sure that that country is saved. No matter the cost, Lord, here am I.
We can never, ever do enough. You know, sometimes you can go to the bank and get a loan bigger than you could pay back. You can file bankruptcy. You can do whatever. There's a debt that we owe. Then no matter what we do, no matter how many home Bible studies we teach, no matter how many conferences we preach, we still owe that debt. We can never, ever repay. We have a video that's about 5 minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> I say about, I've seen it a time or two. Um, you're you're going to see Maggie in this video. You're going to see the new town church opening in this video. You're going to see folks baptized in Jesus' name in this video. Oh, You're going to see what God is doing in Papua New Guinea. And then after the video, I need two minutes. Two minutes, and I promise, that's all I need. I'll time it. My wife gave me the look. I'll time that two minutes. There's one part in that video I, I can't help but to chuckle. Did you see that picture with all those dudes in the back of that truck? So, you would think that we was going to do some, like have like a cookout or take them out to dinner or something crazy. We was on our way to a baptism. And it, there was like 30 guys wanting to go that didn't have a ride. And they got in the back of that truck. Like they were standing on the sides. Like, it, it, like the tires were rubbing on the side. It, it, it was insane. But, but they, they were so excited that there was another soul getting baptized in Jesus' name. Well, 19 more that day. <laughs> God is so good. We're on deputation, and I wouldn't be doing my duty if I didn't share a couple of needs. We do have some needs in Papua New Guinea that are financial. If you want to take us on monthly, we would love it. Because that monthly thing is what keeps us in the field. Some things we need, I'm going to hit you with a big one first. That way all the other ones are like, oh, wow, that's not too bad. So we still need a vehicle. We're still like 35 grand short on a vehicle. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not. I ask everywhere we go. I mean, how do you eat an elephant? I mean, if one church gives you a dollar, hey, we still need $34,999. That's still a dent in it, right? Another thing is women's ministry. My wife's wanting to empower these women. Without going into too much detail... Women in Papua New Guinea aren't really looked at very good. If you find a woman that you want to marry, as long as you have enough money and the dad accepts the money, you just bought yourself a wife. doesn't matter if she even knows your name. And if he has a few more hundred thousand kina, he can go buy another one. They buy their women. Their women are very, very degraded there. And my wife wants to empower them. She wants to give them home Bible studies. She wants to sit and have tea with them. She wants to do some women's esprit stuff. You know, she, she wants to give them a scarf and a journal and tell them, hey, you guys can win the world. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you need to be silent. It doesn't mean that you can't go out and share the gospel. It doesn't mean that you, can, you can't train them up in the way that they should go when they're at home. About 20 bucks a month. Curriculum. We don't have a school yet in Jesus' name. We're going to have one. You could sponsor a student for about 20 bucks. About 20 bucks a month will cover all of their curriculum. That's not too bad. We have two kids that are homeschooled. Trust me, 20 bucks a month isn't that bad. But if you want to build a church, any amount. If you want to buy a two-by-four, a couple bucks. Every, everybody thinks, and, and my two minutes are up. Um, that, that's, that's that look I was talking about, though, because she knows I can't do anything in two minutes. I can't tell you what time it is in two minutes. But 
people think that they have to give thousands and thousands of dollars in order to give to missions. A few cents, a few bucks. I mean, if we have 100 people give a dollar, that's 100 bucks. But if we have 100 people say, well, a dollar's just not enough, that's $100 that didn't come in that month. Don't ever underestimate the power that you have in the little bit that you do have. And I promise you, if you sow into anything and you want to see a huge return, you sow into missions. Because when you sow into God's work and you sow into the kingdom growing, there's nothing greater you can sow into. And again, I'm not, I'm not your average typical missionary. And that's okay. That's what makes me me, right? I'm not, we, we would love for you to take us on monthly. We would love it. But there's also home missionaries all around this country, everywhere, that, that could use a dollar a day or a dollar a month. There's people all around this world that you could empower with so little that we overlook. So next time you go to give to anything when it comes to church stuff, even if it's to clean the carpets in your home church, and you're like, man, I only got a buck, you give that dollar and you watch God bless it. You watch God bless it big because you're obedient. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We, we've truly enjoyed our time with you today. And, and again, with the love stuff, we love and appreciate the McGee family. Thank you so much. Pastor? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.